this world of gravel reminds me of where cyclocross was at a decade ago when it was super fun and that it is just this adventure and people want to go out and like have a good time and so you know it was like let's take the experience that we've got from going to like the midwest and doing things like dk or unbound now and uh mid-south and you know going to the uk to do dirty reaver or some of these other big events and like how do we bring that to california Hey folks, Justin from RideCX.com here. Thanks for tuning in to the Inside Cyclocross podcast. That voice you heard is endurance athlete and cycling coach David Sheik, who joined me to talk about the Mammoth Tough, a gravel cycling event he co-founded with cyclocross and gravel rider Amanda Nauman. I caught up with David via Zoom during a training camp in Mammoth Lakes while he was in the final decision-making process on whether to attend the Super Endurance Unbound Gravel XL which is 350 miles coming up in just a few weeks. David and I chatted about the growth of gravel cycling, bike prep, handling the effects of altitude, what to carry on your bike, hydration, nutrition, and the COVID-19 protocol at the Mammoth Tough, which is coming up this fall. All great tips, especially for cyclocross riders who are used to racing for an hour that may want to get into these day-long endurance gravel rides. We ended up talking for about an hour and a half, so I've pulled out some highlights of our conversation. Let's have a listen. Formal intro here. Uh, hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Justin here from Ride CX, and today I'm chatting with David Sheik. David is an athlete, cycling coach, team director for the SDG Factory team, and most recently, along with Amanda Nauman, the co-founder of the Mammoth Tough. David, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. In your role as an event promoter, 2020 was a very interesting time. Uh, so maybe start by just telling us a little bit about what the Mammoth Tough is all about and kind of what's your vision for this event? Um, yeah, that's so the Tough was uh, really something that, you know, as people that were going out doing some of these bigger gravel events around us and other places we wanted to bring something back to southern california that was or just california in general that's more like real gravel you know living down in orange county it's you go out to ride and you you know it all kind of started back in the day with just riding cyclocross bikes and you go out and you ride three miles of dirt and different surfaces and then you go on the road for 10 miles to the next trail and it's kind of just a way to play and keep things interesting as you're putting in miles. And so we've always used mammoth as this kind of uh, training ground to get ready for these things or cyclocross seasons. And, um, you know, as the years have gone on and this discipline's grown, we realized that this kind of second backyard that we have has so much potential for people to go out and ride. And it really is like these open, gravel roads or mixed surface terrain and so with that you know we just started putting together some routes that we knew would be pretty epic and i can say they're insanely hard for the mileage you know for year one which would have been last year but now we're reintroducing last year this year so uh yeah it's we have a short format a long format and um you know it's like the short if we say it's a 40 45 mile loop you know like that would be one that i'd go out and do just as like a training ride up here and it's super amazing route and it's not like it's something that i go out and do in just three hours it's or two hours you know where you say like well it's only you know 40 miles or 45 miles and you're like yeah it's it's like a good four hour plus ride for most people the first and line so, of description on your website says it will be hard <laughs> that's the first thing that you see when, when you log into the website right uh, uh it's not a lie like i can say you know this is a good week to talk about it all and this week i i did a little test and brought up you know somebody who's completely new to gravel and somebody who's been up here riding before and i've coached for many years and i know you know how strong he is and and uh 
and both people are always like they're both amazed but it's just it was good to see and have a good reminder of like it's rideable it's just it shocks people every time so for anybody watching or listening that's not familiar with the, this event this is brand new and 2020 should have been uh year one your original date and then it was as, as many people have seen sort of went through the the postponement and the rescheduling and the postponement and rescheduling and now you got a firm date uh back on the calendar so talk a little bit about the date that you have on the calendar and what's mammoth like at that time of year yeah so that's the cool part is you know when we first developed it and we talked about this weekend we wanted to do something in a shoulder season because it does get busy you know like summertime spring there's still a lot of people that come to town and there's there's so much activity to do outside you know hiking fishing mountain biking just all kinds of different activities and so we chose the fall and we're sticking with that same weekend and that weekend is when the kamikaze games used to be it's uh the the last weekend that the bike parks generally open if people want to go up and explore the mountain they want to go and take gondola rides up because their legs are retired from doing the event and they just want to look out and see everything down the valleys all the way out to yosemite um and then you have like the fall colors and things that just pop as the aspens and other trees start to change that time of year so it's kind of one of our uh you know more favorite times of year like right now in spring when everything's changing it's it's amazing and the riding is generally really good and so super hopeful that this year is different from last year and we get to roll with things we have we have a good plan for it um the date september 18th 2021 and we're teaming up with another event that happens at that time and it's a october fest in the village so um, nice. while they're kind of operating on stage and around some big tents serving beer and brats we'll have the event starting and finishing on the road to the side of them and then you're welcome to use some tickets that we give you to go and partake in some of the uh German festivities going on and Friday night we're potentially encouraging people to do the double the mammoth track club which is pretty popular up here with putting together some Olympic runners they're doing a, a beer mile Friday night so if anybody wants nice. to take on the double they should go for it <laughs> <laughs> might the, be a big uh, award just, just be aware that the alcohol does hit you a little bit harder if you're not used to uh, spending that time at altitude right yeah and the village sits at <laughs> 8053 feet so yeah it's uh you won't sleep well your first night at altitude you know it's like we want to have fun with it we want people to get back to riding and show what these uh training grounds are all about up here uh even since just you and i agreed to chat a few weeks ago it seems like uh there's a lot of promising news right the cdc relaxing the mask mandate and obviously the various you know government and local restrictions that you guys have to meet in order to put your event on i know you had a lot of restrictions about how big the field can be and and yeah close proximity and i think the good news is it seems like those restrictions are being relaxed and the good news just sort of uh keeps piling up so talk a little bit about, I know you guys are running a wait list, right? I think you're full or close to full, and then you're going to be moving people from the wait list to the, the real list uh, as you're able yeah. to allow more people into the event. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, like that's the part where there's been events this year that have already happened. Like Sam is a friend of ours over in Bakersfield already run rock cobbler and they had 400 and something riders and, you know, I can take that information to our counties that we're dealing with, but I have like eight agencies that I'm dealing with from Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, Inyo County, Mono County, City of Mammoth Lakes, list goes on. And so because I'm in multiple areas, um, there's different tiers that things fall in. And so the way that this stuff has worked with the pandemic is based on your tier, you're going to operate in certain ways. And so California's plan is to open up June 15th. And so the way that we've just kind of worked with everybody to say is open registration, 
create a waiting list. And then uh, instead of us making a bunch of like predictions or try to say, well, here's our interpretation of what's happening in our interior and where we're going. So you can operate this way. But then if it changes in June, they're just saying, open it up in June and just start moving everybody over. And that way we don't have to sit and make like a plan A, B, and C, because we've done this all last year. Yeah, so we have like, uh, you know, I think the the number that we set the total at for year one is 850. And so right now we have the, the limit at 200. Um, the amount of emails, I can't respond to all of them fast enough, but it's over, I think it's at like 230 right now. And so what will happen is everybody will continue to register. And then based on the order that they have registered in on that wait list, when I can add them, it's just, it's a direct, like the sooner you register, the that's how you're getting pulled in. So obviously from a event promotion perspective, selling out your event is fantastic. And for sure, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is just the tremendous uh, interest in cycling, you know, people are, there's a lot of back demand. People are ready to, uh, get back out there. You know, I think we, I had shared with you that kind of had the first criterium back here in SoCal and like 900 people showed up, you know, so there's a lot, a lot of demand for, um, competitive challenge, challenging cycling. Uh, I wanted to go back to something you were bringing up just, uh, a minute ago, you know, when, someone tells me they're going to go do an event. I always try to discourage people from just flying or driving in, doing the event and then turning around and leaving, right? Mammoth yep. Lakes is such a cool, a cool town. So what else can people see or do while they're visiting and where should they stay? Maybe some travel tips for people that haven't uh, been to the area before. Yeah. And that's a tough one. It's again, like back to the pandemic and things kind of changing um last year even with the pandemic people weren't really getting on planes and going places but they were still we still saw a lot of travel during spring and summer and and um it's going to be the very similar this year but the airport in town is currently changing and so they're moving it to bishop um which is 45 to 50 minutes south of us and um, the airport will start to operate next December <clears throat> which doesn't really help us but as we update kind of the travel page this week on the website it'll start to explain more about you know here's where it's like to land in LAX or Ontario and then the drive time and then here's what it's like to land in Reno and then the drive time down and and Reno is probably the best bet it's also the most beautiful drive in the world coming straight down 395 and it's yeah that's it's an amazing drive so i can't say that it's a bad one and the airport's super easy to get in and out of so um but into 2022 it'll be great for us to actually have more airlines and flights that are less canceled like mammoth gets pretty windy so sure 60 percent of the flights generally get canceled so it'll be a It'll be great for the future of town, but that's as far as the travel getting in. It, you know, we know it's a long haul, so we're trying to create a whole weekend with the event. And so, you know, it's like I want people to come up and on and on the weekend of the event, we'll kind of like give out a little agenda, like, hey, here's what you should do if you're coming in these days, and you know, create some things like shakeout rides on Friday, or go and check in at <clears throat> registration between these hours, like go to the village and watch people run the beer mile or partake in it. Or if you don't want to be around people, you know, we're going to try to host the, uh, the writers meeting online so that people can just sit in their hotel room or Airbnb and watch things. And then, you know, have the event the next morning, finish things that are going on there. And then the following day, you know, do some awards and stuff. It's just, it's really going to all be up to what happens with, June and what's kind of happening, you know, as things open up more, how we're going to operate. And so we're still going to just kind of try to be creative, but still offer ways for people to be involved because we want to create that community. Like that's the thing I love the most about 
where cyclocross has been and this gravel stuff is, you know, you go around and you see everybody and you go and do these rides and it's not just a matter of like doing a hard ride or racing it, but it's just an adventure and let people sure. go and ride. And at the end of the day, you know, like have a beer and share their war stories. That's what's cool about it. About uh, hot springs, are those close enough to where your event they is going to go down? Yeah. And so like, that's the stuff in fall, like it is pretty cool. Temperatures start to drop a little bit. You can still go out and sit in the hot springs. The course, both courses will ride through the geological area and you'll be able to, if I do put signs out, it'll be to point out, you know, things that people should look at, but I probably won't mark turns. So be prepared to guide yourself. You know, again, the goal is to train people how like the real gravel stuff works in the Midwest and other places. And so, you know, we want to teach you how to self-navigate and, um, but like that time of year, you know, the question here is talking about like what to do in town and, you know, people come up and like I said, like we're teaming up with Oktoberfest, there's the fall colors going on because of the time of year and just depending if it's like the week before then or two that things really start to pop or the week of and then after um getting to the top of the mountain people have never been up there it's twelve thousand something feet the views out to all of yosemite valley you can see the backside of half dome you know just o- over from the main lodge down into the valley below it where the fires were last year it's like there's rainbow falls and devil's post pile so people never seen rocks that are actually perfect vertical lines doesn't really happen but they're there it's amazing um or 35 miles away about a 45 minute drive you can get up to the pass it's probably one of my most play, favorite places around here to go and just kind of you know get up into the high sierra and see lakes and you're right at the gates to go into yosemite valley yeah if you haven't made this drive before this whole area is mostly volcanic or it's cut from glaciers or both right and it just creates some yeah. really, really dramatic uh really dramatic scenery terrain um you know even before the pandemic this gravel cycling gravel cycling explosion was already happening tons of interest tons of bikes being sold, which as somebody that's really into cyclocross, I love that because it's a bike that somebody can use for their first cyclocross race. And I just love introducing people to cyclocross for the first time. Now, coming out of the pandemic, like we talked about, just tremendous demand coming up for this type of event where uh, people may not be comfortable, you know, at the registration tent in a criterium, in a pace line with a hundred other people. But hey, I've I, the gun goes off and we're sort of spread out all over this long distance course. There could be a, you know, a safety aspect. For somebody that's brand new to this type of endurance cycling, multi-surface scene, um, there absolutely will, would be people that would treat an event like this like a race and be highly competitive. But for a lot of others, their goal might be just to simply finish. So how, yeah. would, how would somebody that's brand new um, the shorter of your two courses, for example, what should they be doing for preparation to, to cross the finish line? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, like, first of all, like the best way to say it is like, everybody's goal should be just to finish. Like that's number one. And then when it gets into this world of these gravel races, like you got to think of them as an adventure, right? Like it doesn't, you can go out and try to be at the pointy end, but at the end of the day, like, you're going out for this adventure. The stuff you're carrying isn't like sitting in a crit, you know, it's not like a mountain bike race. It's not, it's definitely not cross. You're not pulling in, like you were saying, like to the pits and changing bikes or having somebody help you out with something. It's like, you have to learn to be self-sufficient. And so, you know, like uh, we were kind of mentioning, like it's a good week to talk about it because I brought somebody up who's completely new to all this. And I've done gravel camps in the past. And some of the things that I talk about is like, what do you carry? And like, why do you need this? And, um, and so, and then it, and then beyond that, it kind of gets into this area that we're in because I would say, I, I, I don't even want to put a percentage on it, but most of the course, you're not going to have service. 
So, you know, tonight if I go out for a ride, one of the things that I'm going to carry with me is an inReach because there's no way to communicate. Right. So if I do need help, I need to let somebody know. And this is the only way by satellite to send a message to let them know that I need a ride or I'm injured or something else. And so, you know, during event time, it's not, it's not like necessary, but it is one of those things that like we start to train people. Like, how do you think when you're, cause it's different. You're not just going out for a ride. You're going out into the backcountry, And so when you get out into the backcountry, you have to learn to kind of be self-sufficient. But when I take people from these other realms and start to, we look at the training and stuff around it. It's like one, you, you yeah, you got to have fitness and you got to start to do a little bit more volume, you know, and you got to make things, you know, like when we go and get ready for, I guess the best way to explain it is when we go to get ready for something like unbound in 200 miles and, you know, Amanda's won it twice and people always ask me, do you go ride 200 miles to get ready? And I'm like, first time I ever did that race, longest ride I'd ever done was 130 miles. And I was like, just like the fear level was, I was out of my mind. Cause I'm like, I know we're not going fast. You're, you're, on gravel and then you see some of the gravel there and you're like this is huge and so you're you know you're going to be out for a long time but it's more about fatigue training and stacking days together that equal up what that hour six seven eight are going to feel like instead of trying to like you know be this weekend warrior like i need to do 100 miles every weekend like no you don't you need to be smarter Cause like more isn't always more in a lot of cases and it's more about the quality of the training. So it's building fitness, but being smart about it and then starting to understand things with, you know, like how to eat and drink because nutrition and hydration, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If there's no fuel in the tank, you're not going anywhere. And so everybody always asks like, you know, how is it, you know, racing and, riding with Amanda and and like I joke about like I know where our numbers are and I know you you could compare things and say they're not really comparable but if we've raced that thing together six times in Kansas 200 miles she's caught me or passed me five out of six and it's not because she's stronger it's because she's really good at her nutrition and hydration and because of that she can stay at a steady pace all day long and so people think that they need to have this like way to go ride and they need to go hard and it's not about that when you're doing long events it's like how do you pace yourself and what are the ranges you should stay in that you can be there all day and then saying okay i'm at my limit and i should back off or stay with this group because i'm moving faster until this next section and and so it's like you start to learn you know pacing and stuff and so it's like putting pieces together but I always start with like let's build your fitness let's understand nutrition and hydration and then how to start to understand how to race or ride these things and communicate with groups and then how to be self-sufficient on the bike right like what are the things to carry how to use them why to carry them because you know, people in a crit race aren't carrying a rolled up piece of duct tape that's two feet long <laughs> to fix things. <laughs> I think this but, is a great a great time to talk about that testing your nutrition plan, right? You know, yeah. Um, I think that's something a lot of people run into is they they roll out for an hour or two and they sort of have their maybe nutritional products that they rely on and they know that it works. And one of the sort of walls that I've run into as I've tried to tackle some of these longer events is the, the nutrition sort of that works for the shorter rides just kind of breaks down and doesn't work for the longer rides. So I find that my stomach just stops digesting or I completely lose my appetite for things that I could tolerate that were um, appetizing to me on a shorter ride. And I think it's something that somebody's going to tackle this type of event for the first time is really to test the food and drink that you plan to use on event day on race day and make sure that you can tolerate it, you know, at, at, yeah. at your race pace and over the time that uh, you, you plan to be out there. Yeah. And like, you know, 
like I've had athletes in this past month now that things are opening up and and people are getting vaccinated and they want to go out and do these events and it's like we're getting back to the things that we used to do with creating a food plan and like we go hour by hour and then we take the generalizations that we know or output based on kilojoules of like how much energy they can do and it's like you know I could just say like in general what we would use with camps is like all people should be eating 250 to 300 calories an hour sodium intake needs to be 400 900 milligrams an hour and you know as far as ounces it's small bottles about 22 the taller ones are 24 and they need to be having you know one to two of those an hour based on the temperatures and those are just like basic generalizations but like you said it's like you need to practice those things what works for you you know uh and and even then like you the things change along the way like you were saying like things that are appetizing hour one and two they're not the same at hours three and four and you might go from sweet and that's great to like completely salty with your palate and so i'm the same way you know like four or five hours in i have a very high sodium loss um from doing sweat tests and so you know i change to things like pretzels because i i want to just taste sodium you know i want salty and i don't want another bar or gel or things like that and 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 then that too it's like people need to realize what they can handle and what they can't you know certain foods that are out there and some of the sports stuff in the past tons of maltodextrin and not everybody digests it the same and so you got to make sure the things they're using and when work together so that they have like a you know the the there's fuel in the tank otherwise you're not going anywhere fast and so it's in the in the hydration part's huge like <clears throat> you can make up for a nutrition deficit and get some calories back in you and feel okay in 10 or 15 minutes but you get behind on hydration it's kind of a downward spiral from there so it's uh trying to figure out what you need and how much and how to stay on it and when you have to drink more because you're going to a warm place like how do you you got to train how to drink that way you know because most people don't drink a bottle or more an hour so they have to train themselves and one of the tricks we use is setting timers on the head unit to beep every five minutes you're gonna miss a few of them right yeah yeah so you miss a few of them, but it's a good way to get through two bottles an hour. I think one of the uh, unique challenges for the Mammoth Tough event is the the starting altitude, let alone the altitude that you're going to have some elevation gain during the day, right? So for people that yeah. don't normally live and train, people that are coming up from sea level, uh, you know, they're going to get there the day before and just roll out. From your background as a coach, maybe you can talk a little bit about some strategies that uh, people can do to try to cope. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we want everybody to come and stay in Mammoth, but if the altitude's high and they don't feel great, stay low, stay in areas like Bishop or just outside where they can be at a lower elevation because the town is, you know, when you say 8,000 feet, you actually realize that most of the mountains down in Southern California, like that's still higher than the top of like big bear ski resorts. And so it's a, it's a high elevation and that's just town. Um, luckily that's probably the highest point of the course. I don't even really check that, but you know, at altitude, the thing is, is it's drier. People will say there's less oxygen, there's not less oxygen, the molecules are just more spread out. And so because it's drier air, every breath you take, every time you talk, it's it has to be moisturized. So your body is is uh is doing more to basically function. And so you need to be hydrating more. And so hydration isn't just drinking water, people need to take in sodium because they need to retain fluids and so um yeah like things they can do and they can practice using it's like hyperhydration formulas with like you know osmo and scratch have them um and so it's these big kind of like sodium uh drinks that are going to help get their blood plasma levels 
increased and then as you sweat and do other things you're you're not you know you have like more fluids retains here you're you got more you know think of like an engine with oil it's like if it there's no engine oil like things get more friction and heat up and then it's not going to run and so the same thing with your body it's you start to sweat things out or you're getting too dry and dehydrated and your body's going to start to heat up and your internal governor turns on and you can't produce the same amount of power once you have lost too much or a certain percentage of your regular body weight and so we don't want to get too nerdy but basically the key to getting up to altitude is is hydrating and you know people aren't going to sleep the same generally at higher altitudes and so um it's not really that big of a deal you know like you look at olympians and other types of athletes and they don't really sleep much the night before their event so it's about sleeping two nights before instead of the night before so if they if they have a little bit of lack of sleep it's not the end of the world um but the key is the earlier you kind of come, the better people are acclimating a little bit. But overall, when you get to altitude, you're just going to, your power is not going to be exactly the same or, you know, what feels like an eight down the hill or a seven down the hill is an eight when you're up the hill type thing. And so you, you brought might up just miss the, a gear. You brought up that goal of finishing, right? Everybody's goal yeah. should be to finish. And <laughs> Uh, I, I've done very poorly the day after going up to altitude in previous athletic endeavors. And uh, I sort of know in advance that that first day is going to be really <laughs> rough, right? So you sort of have to be prepared to roll out, see how you feel and adjust your strategy to make sure that you cross the, uh, that you cross the finish line, right? Yeah. And, and that's one of those things, like if people traveled up on like a Wednesday, in the evening and they're hydrating on the way in and then they have Thursday and Friday to do some light spins and make sure that they're kind of, you know, just functioning better. Like that's a good way to think about it. Or if they're coming up Thursday and they have Friday to go spin up the legs, like that's a good plan to really try to feel better for a Saturday event. You know, um, it's just, Mammoth is a far travel. So one of those things that we've kind of tried to create is in most of these big gravel events is you got to make a weekend out of it because there's just a lot more going on. Like when we go to some of these big ones, it's like, man, I spent all day Friday just packing bags because you're getting to an aid station and then you're grabbing another bag and you're going back through all your gear. And so it's uh there's just a lot more that goes on. It's not just showing up and racing your bike or riding your bike hard for the day to try to finish it's just you know like we had said before you got to be self-sufficient so you're trying to put everything together and and when people train to do these things you know it's like take the time to take care of yourself and get what you need to be able to kind of make it and be successful like that's that's important to you know give yourself time to adjust to the altitude a little bit but hydration is key for sure coming to altitude aspirin can help if people are getting headaches just doesn't help performance when they're riding their bike let's talk a little bit about this need for self-sufficiency you know i've been watching the um red bulls had free coverage of the uh world cup mountain bike events right and cross-country mountain biking has changed a lot since i first started <laughs> cycling right uh yeah I, I'm old enough that I did mountain bike racing in uh, the 1980s and they would fire the gun and you would ride off into the forest and two hours later you would come back on, a, come big, back, on yeah. a big loop right and and there was nothing out there there was no cell phone there was no pit zone right and yeah uh, you fixed it yourself or you walked back to the the starting line um I was watching the Novo Mesto World Cup and, you know, the pit zone that the athletes have in modern, you know, cross-country Olympic mountain biking, it's like a, a NASCAR crew, right? You know, they've got three guys in their, in their pit box doing, you know, fast wheel changes. And that's, that's fun too. You know, I think that's an aspect that I enjoy with 
cyclocross is that pit crew becomes part of the uh, the race result and contributes to the outcome, right? Oh, but 100%. The, the reality is uh, these, you know, super endurance all day, especially this one coming up in Mammoth where you're not going to be in cell service. Uh, you have to be self-supported and that includes everything from stuff to fix on your bike to your body to weather gear to, you know, needs that you didn't anticipate. So for somebody that's coming into town, you know, for the first time and doesn't have that background, what do they need to carry that they, they might not be thinking about for an event of this magnitude? Yeah. And like people should pay attention to most of the promoters do a really good job of creating these writer's guys where they call them like a writer's Bible for each event. You know, it's different for different places. Like Amanda and I went to the UK before for this dirty reaver event. That's on the border of like Scotland and you're kind of like, I mean, it was, it was pretty epic. Like I don't use that word lightly, but the gravel was on real logging roads. And when I, you know, logging trucks are large. And so this gravel was big and it's cold. And the time of year that it was like, we were like, what, we have to carry emergency blankets and whistles. And, and so, you know, it's also the same as like going to Kansas and they're saying, you know, for 200 miles, like, you know, you leave the third aid and make sure you do have lights in case of these things or carry your lights all day. And I've always gone with the mindset of like, I'm going to finish for the sun anyway, because you have till 915 or 945, whatever it is. And there was a year that there was a train stuck on the tracks and all I brought was a blinky light. And so <laughs> I pedaled in the last hour or so with a blinky light and other people around me. And I'm like, I'll sit on the front as long as you guys shine your lights around me so that I can see where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and we were trying to navigate in the dark back to town. So it is important to kind of pay attention to those things of what the rider or the promoters are saying. And, and we'll, we'll give like a good list of things, but you know, in general, I, I did, I brought like things here to kind of show it's like, um, you know, like tubes, everybody should carry tubes, but for gravel, it's not just one, it's, it's multiple, make sure they fit your tires. They don't always have to be, um, you know, just in a saddlebag, but saddlebags are different too. Like I don't carry a saddlebag, like I would ride on the road, like this is bigger. I can fit two tubes. I can fit a, a mini pump in there i can fit uh another canister with a so it's like i use an air cartridge first when that runs out or if it didn't work then i go to the hand pump when i get my second flat i go to that you know sometimes you don't get a flat sometimes you get a lot there's been a year where i was in kansas and there's a rider with us and he goes that's number seven i'm done and i'm just like what the seven who who even carries seven tubes like i was afraid that year and i carried three but the only thing i was thinking is man there's some other options of the tires out there than what those things are because that's a lot of flats for a day or maybe you need to run some different pressure so yeah like tubes you always want to carry more than one when you get to an aid station if you used one take another so it's like um you want to be prepared. You want to have things ready for when you get to those next sections. When we talk about like multi-tools, it's not just that lightweight uh, little kind of rinkety thing with a few uh, pieces on it. Like I actually use like Pro Shimano. They make this one that actually has like a full chain tool and other things in it. And then there's everything on here from adjusting brakes and pedals and just about anything that I need to fix, I, I can fix with this. And then I also carry a, uh, like Wolf Tooth makes a good thing for taking off the chain link. And then inside of it, it opens up and there's two more links that you can put in there, two sets. And so if you break a chain, it happens. You, have, you carry extra links with you so you can put it back together. A spare master link for your specific make model of chain yeah, exactly. weighs, weighs nothing and is a great extra item. And 
you know, I think this is a great time to, you talk to a lot of people, especially people who they might be new to this type of event. And they're like, well, I'm not going to carry that because I don't know how to use that anyway, or I don't know how to fix my bike if that mechanical failure happens. You should carry this stuff anyway, because if you have it, someone else could help you use your spare, even if you don't know how to make that repair. Yeah. And that's the thing, like with gravel, is I'd say you still have that world of like people coming by. You okay? Do you need anything? Everybody wants to help each other or just get online and watch videos. Like you buy something like, you know, the first time I saw like these, this is Park Tools makes these great, you know, patch kits for sidewalls. And so, you know, there's parts of our course where, especially on long course, there's things like obsidian out there or other types of rock and you could tear a sidewall. And so you need to have patches in there. So if you have too big of a, uh, a tear in a tire, it, it's not going to seal itself with sealant, it, you know, if you're running tubeless. And so you have to be able to put things in there. I also bring like a, you know, duct tape that's rolled up, you know, a foot or two. And there's been times where first 15 miles of an event before, like I had, I think two of these taped on the inside of the sidewall. And then I had a wrapper from a bar behind it and duct tape after I had dried out the entire side of it because the sidewall tear was so long. Yeah. It would, it would have just continued to rip the tread away from that, from the, from the rim. And so you got to get creative at times to get to the next kind of aid station. And then, you know, the way that these, these events are usually set up is you have a crew that's there to give you the things that you need. And that's where you leave things like spare tires or, you know, a second pack that's filled with things. Um, but kind of getting back to, you know, it's like, like I said, like there will be list of things to bring. And if people have questions, they should ask why, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably start putting out these little videos. We have a YouTube channel that's called tough and we'll have these like tough tips as we go along through the summer that we'll make. And it's, it's to explain those things and why, you know, that, that really kind of getting into the nitty gritty of like why you should carry. And so valve extenders, you know, it's like, I got valve extenders and $40 and a tool to take them on and off. If I don't have a multi-tool that has that, because if you run out of all your tubes and somebody gives you one and the valve isn't long enough right. and you don't have an extender, you're sitting on the side of the road. You go too late into the night and your head unit, which is guiding you places, runs out of energy and you don't have a lipstick charger to plug into it. You're sitting on the side of the road or calling somebody to pick you up, you know, and, and making it simple too. Like it's not, you know, you make a really cool bike, super dorky to go do gravel and you're getting into things like bento boxes and oversized you know, saddlebags like we're talking about. And uh, sometimes you use extra strappy things to hold things down. And, and, and I like to just make it simple. Like I'll put battery chargers and food that's easy to get to right there that where it's like small piece things, you know, chews, uh, pretzels, things like that, that I like to eat on the bike. And then the, uh, the rest of the time I'll use a pack. And so these new pack designs, like this is one from Orangewood and uh, this is their adventure pack. Brand new one that just came out and it's it's got actually small pockets where you put your trash and bigger pockets where you put your food. And then there's actually extra nutrition pockets up here. So it's like, you can put your phone, put your trash, keep this one for three to four hours of food. Extras up here, tubes in the back, you get to the next aid you have another one loaded exactly the same. And so yeah, I think that's a, a key strategy. You know, if you're uh, racing or your goal is not just to finish, but to, to be competitive, people actually have duplicates or triplicates of those packs, right? So you don't screw around yeah. at the aid station trying to swap the hydration, plat the hydration bladder or moving your toolkit from one to another. You just drop the whole pack and grab a, yeah. a fully loaded new pack. 
Yeah. And so like when I say that with the event, you know, it's like the visions and things for the future, what you want to do with it. Like I do want to get people to understand like how to go ride gravel, how to be self-sufficient and I'll promise them that I'm not, if they're doing the long course that, you know, the first aid station is probably about 50 miles away. So they need to be able to carry five hours worth of hydration and nutrition with them. And so we also have it set up that, you know, will be nice to put out an aid station, but we also have an area that we've created where you can have your own crew. And so it makes it kind of nice because if you've started and it's cold and, you, and then you're going to finish when it's still warm, you can, you can leave things with your crew or you can have another pack there for you. Or if you've, you know, destroyed a tire on the way down and you need things, otherwise, if people are going out to ride, you know, they can get through it and there will be aid stations. It's just, I still want to make it hard. Like the route is hard. The aid stations are placed in areas where you could need them but at the end of the day people need to be you know self-sufficient to ride and do these things even on the short course it's uh we've spaced them out far enough that it's going to require people to pay attention and do their homework for somebody that's coming from out of town they don't have the opportunity to do a course preview talk a little bit about uh which bike they should bring should they bring a drop bar bike how big of a tire what kind of gear ratio they might want to choose for an event like this? yeah and that's that's a good one like if i was saying you know because you had asked before too like well what is it you know if you're if somebody's new to it and like what do they want on their bike and and it's always kind of like course dependent but with you know where this stuff all started i always think back to like the crusher and the tusher and when burke started the crusher it was like cyclocross was big and this was you were racing cyclocross bikes and your your clearance in the rear generally was like 35 38 max and that was like a couple millimeters away from your chain stays and so it was like what's the better bike mountain bike versus you know cyclocross bike and then this discipline continued to grow and now we have these great you know um gravel bikes that are out there and so like you know the setup for mammoth i wouldn't say one's better than the other you know we know drop bar bikes travel faster in most places and the gear ratios are a little bit better when it goes fast but you want to be comfortable at the end of the day when you're going long distance so what's the bike that's best for you and it's going to be like how are all your contact points feeling on those bikes and is your position set up and are your tires enough for the type of terrain that's out there? And I'd say up here, like I've ridden everything on 38s and it's doable. It's hard, but I would go over 40. And last few days I've been riding some tires to kind of test things out for Amanda and possibly me if a fitness works out in the next month to go to Kansas for the 350 and I have on these 700 by 48 uh Renee Hurst tires that are I believe called the Oracle and they're super fun up here it's like it, it feels like riding a mountain bike with drop bars because they are almost a 2.0 and so it's uh yeah it's super fun you know, the bigger the tire, the more float you're going to have in the areas with a lot of pumice. You know, the name tough came from like you were talking about volcano and the debris that's left behind. And there's a lot of pumice out there. There's a lot of obsidian and other types of rock that are broken down. And it makes it so that some of the areas are a little bit softer than they need to be. And so you have to be able to you know, pedal through that. All right. Well, um, David, the big event weekend here is September 17, 18, and 19 for your travel yep. plans. And then the, uh, the actual tough is, uh, September 18th yep. where between now and then, where should people be checking you out on social media as they 
work on their plans, how they, how they should keep in touch. Yeah. I mean, the best way to kind of do it is go to, uh, go to the site, sign up for the newsletters, click the links at the bottom that go straight to all the socials, you know, like with the way that social media works these days, there's underscores and everything else that are to get the name that you want. So go to the site, uh, sign up for the newsletters, you know, there's, more than 800 people right now that we're sending things out to when we're doing them uh and and those will start to continue to come out like we'll do them at least monthly if not sooner if there is information that we need to get out and we'll also share things through those social channels to make sure that uh we are getting you know as things continue to update with uh, California opening up, we, we definitely want to make sure that that is there. Like I know right now there's a fear like, well, why do I want to sign up for an event again if it's not going to happen? And, you know, we're pretty confident and excited about the year with the way that things are going, but I understand where people are coming from and concerns with that. And so we're just kind of, we're just kind of working and waiting um but continuing to plan for this fall event you know and so just stay tuned and we'll continue to bring the good news and share more of the tips and gravel reports with things that we're finding through the spring and summer um we're gonna definitely do probably another recon camp in july and we'll announce that pretty soon where you know we'll give an opportunity for kind of like an a and b schedule for people that are completely new type stuff or they want to go out and see some longer miles and different parts of the course but uh you know pay attention we'll we'll announce it and everything that goes with it there's some other info pages on there for that type of stuff too as we get closer so yeah for those who go looking it's mammothtough.com and it's tough t-u-f-f will get you to the uh to the right place uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. Uh, when you need gear, I appreciate you taking a look at ridecx.com. Next episode is going to feature John Meehan, the director of Jingle Cross, and we're going to be discussing the newly created USCX Cyclocross series coming this fall that just got announced. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notified when that goes live, and you should look for that episode in early June. David, thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate you being here. Uh, as always, yeah. ride safe and thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah, for anybody that hasn't been to Jingle Cross, that likes cyclocross, the Friday night race is epic. You got to go to Mount Crumpet and see the party. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no, thanks for having me. I hope everybody uh, has a good year. You know, be safe and hopefully we see you at the tough.